Hello and welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. The only podcast in human history where two brothers talk about something they like. And that thing is comic books. I'm one of the two brothers slash lifelong comic book fan slash comedian-ish co-hosts of this podcast, Will Hines. And I am Kevin Hines. I am all those things that Will listed and so much more. So much more. So much. It's unlistable. Are you ready more. to specify any of them? No. Not even one? It's too many things. Okay. Can't, if I can't name them all, I don't want the other ones getting jealous. That I How many are them. there? Millions. I didn't even really know Millions. a human being could possess that many attributes. I have a million traits. That you are in addition to the things we said. Yes, that's right. Okay. I mean, who knows? maybe I'm a million with those. <laughs> okay, so like 9,997. Yeah, yeah, okay. When you get up that high, you, sort of, you start estimating a little okay. bit. Well, um, I'm even more excited to do this episode. I wish I'd known this before mm-hmm. now. Do you know we've? Do you know how many episodes of this we've done? Eighteen. It's higher than that. <laughs> okay, how it's many? Higher than eighteen. Actually, I don't. I'm know. I'm really good at counting. It's over a hundred. That's what I know. <laughs> we didn't do anything special for our hundred. No, we don't. So keep we track never of that. have it. We don't know anything. Um, I've but, been. Uh, uh, I was on an improv team for many, many years, and then um, brag. And then uh, another team celebrated like their 10th anniversary yeah and i was like oh when was our 10th anniversary and someone's like oh like three months earlier or something like that and like we didn't know it even had happened like <laughs> i guess we should have i guess that's the thing people were like that's a it would have been an excuse to like promote our show more yeah, yeah. and it just didn't even occur to us like we just, like, had no count <laughs> you blew it of how long our team had been around so well consider this your 10th anniversary celebration of whatever improv team that was <laughs> yeah no. uh, um, i guess my point is like i miss those things okay good i do too um, well, uh, on to business, Kevin. Great. But today, at some point, although I bet you it's going to take us a while, we're going to get to our main issue of discussion, which is covering the Squadron Supreme series. Yeah, this is our third part of our four-part series, mm-hmm. covering a 12-part series. <laughs> That's right. Three issues per episode. So we're doing issues seven, eight, and nine today. Yeah, of Squadron Supreme. The 1985 to 1986 Maxi series. Yeah. That was written by Mark Grunewald and drawn by various artists. Yeah, mostly Bob Hall, but a few other people chime in there. And um, is a favorite of a lot of people. And it's definitely a signature, uh, distinctive story from that time. It's uh, an important, I would say it's an important story, particularly in Marvel's history. Uh And we are a little underwhelmed by it. We're underwhelmed, yeah. But uh, it is certainly, uh, we understand why it was so great. And I kind of wish we had read it. When we were younger and discovered it our, uh, yeah. in the eighties, our main takeaway so far is like we can see how somebody reading this when it came out would be sort of like very wowed. Yeah, and we do like parts of it. Yes, but it's also it's one of those where I think it does suffer from having your first read be thirty years after it came out. Yeah, for sure, definitely uh, thirty-five, something like that. Anyway, but yeah, um, probably we, a but, million. But it's you million, know what? million years. Okay, now I'm beginning to understand how you started to think you have a million traits. We've recorded four episodes of this podcast. <laughs> oh, jeez. Not even 18? <laughs> so, um, When you weren't sure, I uh, re-estimated. <laughs> we covered Spider-Man, Hulk, Fantastic Four, and now this. Four oh, episodes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. You don't even remember Bang issue two? <laughs> I loved Bang. So, uh, and we do, I, I, I do find it really interesting to read. So even when I say I'm underwhelmed, I, I'm really interested in the, in the series and I'm glad that we're reading it. Yeah. I mean, underwhelmed, like, I don't Sounds know. I was underwhelmed negative. by Citizen Kane. I don't think Citizen <laughs> Kane is a bad film, but like, 
you know, that was like a sort of a movie that was sort of like heralded as like the greatest movie of all time. And yeah. I watched it. I was like, oh, yeah, it's well made. And I just w- wasn't my thing. But also I watched it Uh-oh. as like a 30-year-old. I just got a text from Mank. Oh, no. Really? Mank, what's the guy who wrote the screenplay uncredited for Citizen Kane? Yeah. yeah. He's mad that he's... I mean, I'll say the script was my least favorite part, probably. Kevin, so, don't yeah. dig in on this. I mean, he, he could have texted... Text he's from a guy while we're recording a podcast. I mean, that happens to us a lot, to be honest. Yeah. We get a lot of texts during these, but we should turn off our phones. Well, at least this guy's dead. It makes sense that he would somehow be able to spy on us while we're... Uh, but yeah, I guess my point is, like, that's not me saying, Citizen Kane is a bad movie. Yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. being like, oh, I was hoping to be like... Sometimes you like watching a movie. Like, when I saw Casablanca for the first time, I you was like, oh, I'm going to be like... I'm probably going to be bored by this. It's an older movie. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh my goodness, this is one of my favorite movies of all time. Immediately, yeah. I can see why it's so beloved. And so sometimes that happens. And like, and sometimes you watch a movie and you're like, oh, I was hoping that would happen. Or I was reading this mm-hmm. book and I was mm-hmm. hoping I'd be blown away. Yeah. Uh, and so Squadron Supreme is the Citizen Kane of comic books. <laughs> um, okay, so, but before we do that, we do have a couple segments. First of all, we're still doing our Screw It Insta Push Yes. So if you're on Instagram, follow us at Screw It Comics. Take any of our panels and put them in your stories. Lots of our listeners have done this already, and thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're one of the people who's already done it, and you're like, hey, get off my back. I get it. We're not talking to you. But the other people who are listening, yeah, go go to our Instagram. You know, Take one of our posts, put it in your story, hashtag Screw It Insta Push. Um, Kevin, how many followers have we gained since we started uh, doing this? Let's do a quick check on our Instagram feed. I mean, people tell you not to promote, but then you get the dividends that Kevin's about to list. Um, it's pretty I, hard. How do you to how not. do you navigate? Uh, let's see. And I think I missed one also, so I apologize to somebody who did the push and I didn't see it, so I did not. Uh, you didn't repost. I it. didn't repost it, but uh, we've gained. Oh, I think twenty. Twenty. Twenty followers since it started. Now, some of those have happened at a period where nobody is insta pushing us. Yeah. But then again, maybe it's the rolling numbers yeah. or sort of churning an algorithm and making it happen. So indirectly, I am I'm crediting all any any follower we gain since the insta push started as part of the insta push. I think that's fair. And what was our initial goal? Uh, last week you said ten. We had no initial goal. Okay. Uh, we're at twenty. So we we're blown through our initial goal. I mean. We're at, I mean, it'd be great to get to 1,500 followers, which would be another 32. Okay, pretty hefty given our current rate. Normally we ask for like one. We'll go for one or two. Yeah. I would love to get another 32 before this push and get us to an even 1,500. Can I say something? A lot of these might be bots. That's what I'm saying. We might want to go to 35 because the bots are going to get removed. Yeah. But if we can just hit 1,500, I can get a okay, screenshot so we'll of it. we'll take the bots. We'll take, t- I count bots. We'll take the bots for right now. So if yeah. you're a bot and you're scanning this... With your algorithm, and, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Follow hashtag us. screw it, Insta push. Uh huh. I no longer. Uh, someone taught me how to um, breathe. Blo- breathe. Yes. <laughs> someone taught me how to breathe. I had not been breathing for a while. It was a tough first uh, forty years of my life. Um, no, uh, how to auto block spam bots that were commenting. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not blocking them. I think I'm just like they're not showing up. Okay. Um, but for a while I was manually deleting and blocking anybody who like posted like promote this on comics community. Right, right. Get, um, you know, crypto or yeah. users or whatever. And so one of our followers explained how to do it and I'm very grateful. It's just nice not to have to like log in five minutes later and delete a couple of fake comments. Well, whoever that I can, follower was, yeah. you get a no prize. <laughs> for sure you get a no prize. <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. Uh, uh, they're my favorite person ever. 
Okay, that, that's great. Well, uh, so the screwed Insta push is giving all kinds of dividends. We're cleaning up our spam bots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're getting more followers. That's that's really great. Yeah. So we want another thirty-two followers. So that means another thirty-two Insta pushes. If I'm assuming <laughs> everyone gets us one follower, which is not what's happening. Not what's happening. But, um, but... let's keep it going, guys. That's all. Keep I'm, going. Let's Thank keep you. doing. Repost. Repost. It's also fun to post cool panels from comic book art. Hey, yeah, it's good. I love seeing them in my feed. I think it's really fun. Mm-hmm. Now, do we have any Marvel or comic book TV or movie stuff to go over? Well, you've been watching Spectacular Spider-Man for the first time. Oh, that's right. So maybe that's a thing, because you're staying at my house. I'm at your house right now. And my son... Who I barely he, acknowledge on the podcast. He watches shows in bursts, so like watch one show for a few weeks and switch to another show, and he is currently in a Spectacular Spider-Man First, he's watched these shows hundreds of times already, but over the last week and a half, that's what he's been watching, and you happen to show up yeah, in the I've middle of it. this. Right, because they were hard to get for a while. They weren't really available on streaming that easily for you a long time. You had to buy time. them, yeah. But then a couple months ago, they were suddenly available for free on like Disney Disney Plus or Netflix or something. Oh, and both, so, both of those things. And uh, this is the series that came out in 2007 on the CW, and it's been it's highly acclaimed, and Kevin specifically has raved about it. It is to my me, favorite adaption of Spider-Man. High praise from a man who is satisfied with almost no adaptations of Spider-Man. And who's pleased with them all, but approves of almost none. Yeah, this is my favorite. I think this is near perfect. So, high praise. And I am really enjoying it. And I'm really impressed at... I mean, I, okay, I'm really enjoying it, period. And it's also sort of like... what I am. What I am impressed with is how dense it is. Like, I guess I'm used to cartoons simplifying things so much and uh this one has just got tons of characters tons of plot lines that are kind of running over the course of all of the episodes like things that are being developed over the course of the season i guess or the Mm -hmm. series um in addition to it also is it's clearly drawing all of its inspiration from basically ditko and ramita plus venom is basically what it seems to be pulling and i kind of you know that's those are that's good Good taste. Yeah. And um, though they started seeding some stern stuff, uh, Roderick Kingsley shows up near the end. Like they're clearly setting up a hobgoblin. I if guess they got Ned a Leeds is three. there too. Ned Leeds, though, is from oh, but Ditko. Ned Leeds is from Ditko, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And it's really fun. The animation's uh, really good. I, I w- it's, it's just like it's hard to not compare Squadron Supreme to Watchmen, it's hard to not compare. Any animated superhero series to Batman the Animated Series. Sure. And it's comparable, I think, in terms of its quality. Some of the differences are, I do think the the art for Spectacular Spider-Man, they sacrificed a little prettiness for, like, style and fluidity. It's not bad, necessarily. I just think that's the trade-off they picked. Like, it looks a little Japanese kind of anime to me. But the web swinging looks good. Like, the animation is good, and I forgot how demanding that would be. And Batman doesn't necessarily have a ton of that that the, that action. Yeah. So they, I, they picked a style that really suited to what they wanted to show with Spidey. I mean, and also Batman also simplified their art style As they and, and, and figured out this. But also even from the beginning, like, they picked a style that worked for them that with minimum lines and things like that that yeah. could work for them. Um yeah, I think the animation is great. It's not quite as good as the Batman animated series animation, but that is probably one of the high water marks for animation. Like, yeah, yeah. When you compare That's the what I'm Spider-Man... Saying. It's like when I'm saying Squadron doesn't yeah. live up to Watchmen's like, yeah. depth, it's sort of... But when, when you compare the Spider-Man animation to even the Spider-Man cartoons that followed it, 
it's animated better and the ones yeah, that can... preceded it it's better than also you talk about the density which i do appreciate but the the 90s spider-man cartoon was also very dense but also felt you felt that density it was okay. like, it felt like packed and rushed it felt like every episode was like and then spider-man does this and then this happens and then this guy shows up and then this happens and i'd be like oh, i'm not enjoying any of these moments mm. and even though these spectacular is packed with lots of stuff it feels paced nicely it it's, it's easy to follow yeah uh, it's well told. Like it really, it it's really good about just the mechanics yeah. of telling you what's going on, and the characterizations are all really good. The characterization of Peter and Gwen and um, Harry Osborn, I really enjoy. Flash and the bullies and the popular kids, I'm liking. Uh, yeah. Aunt May, I really like. I it's, mean, it's the my, villains are all fun. It's for sure my favorite Gwen. It's for sure my favorite Harry. Over at the comics, uh, I would say. Uh, Liz Allen, my favorite Liz Allen is from Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Uh, Very specific comic book. choice. Very specific, but she is wonderful in that. <laughs> um, but like a lot of them are just are really great in this. Um, it feels like somebody read the Ditko Ramita issues closely and made smart decisions about what to pull. That's what, that's what I get the sense of. Yeah. Aunt May is less feeble. Yeah, but they that's still, good. But it's still generally he's worried about her, and he's still worried about her. But also, and she cares about him, and you know, she's still like the most important thing in his life. But like, she's, she's not, not, not like on death's door every second. Right, and right, that, right. That's a good change. That's a good change. Uh, you know what's funny is J. Jonah Jameson is the same in all adaptations, and he's yeah. perfect. Like you can't miss with JJJ. Everybody gets him yeah. exactly right, and he's the same. You could take like J.K. Simmons, yeah. Spectacular Jonah. You could take little Lego Jonah mm-hmm. uh, in the video game that we've been playing, and like they're all exactly yeah. the same, and they're all perfect. He is a cartoon <laughs> character from the inception. <laughs> And, uh, and everybody gets him immediately. Yeah, he's so fun. He's he's fun in this too. I just never I mean, my don't favorite, laugh at JJJ. My favorite Jonas got to be Ditko, but Jackie Simmons is right up there. This is not my favorite Jonah, but he is still really great. Good. And he still has like those moments of like being a good person. Yes. There's like the episode where Rhino shows up searching for Peter Parker. And he won't give him up. And he claims, I've never met Peter Parker. He just and Peter's slips. in view and he kind of tells him to get to Amscray. He yeah. gives him a little, gives him the high sign. Which is just like what J.K. Simmons defended uh, Peter Parker. Well, I was Parker. going to say also, I do think the, this animated series, sorry, Spectacular is, <laughs> I'm thinking Batman the animated mm-hmm, series, yeah. that all superhero things are the animated series. But uh, the Spectacular Spider-Man is... Um, Borrowing from the the Sam Raimi movies too, not not as much as the others, but I think yeah. that little moment I think was best solidified popularly in the Sam Raimi film. Jo- that Jonah, yes. when pushed, is not a bad guy. Yeah, he's he's going to protect at least, his at own. least for his newspaper. Yeah, he protects his own. He's going to be cheap. He's going to yeah. underpay everyone. Yeah, he's going to berate everyone. He's going to complain. He's going to lie. But he won't he's... endanger this kid. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, I love Jonah. Me too. Um, anyway, I'm really enjoying it, and it's also one of those things I've been meaning to see for a long time. I mean, more than I'm really enjoying it, I'm blown away. Like, it's lived up to the hype, which from my brother is almost almost impossible. Yeah. I overhype it's, it. It's uh, it's my favorite Spider-Man adaption in a world with Into the Spider-Verse, which is also tremendously great. It It's funny. Like, Spider-Verse is, I think, an easier watch and would probably please more people than yes. Spectacular Spider-Man. But it's not trying to be the most, like, faithful That's right. interpretation of the comics. So it's doing a different thing. That's a better movie and the best Miles of anything. Yeah. But this is the best Peter. Um, It's fun. I'm really, I'm really glad to see it. It's also just fun to see something that's good that people, that people worked hard at and it paid off i mean obviously a lot of people cared about this who worked on it and it really paid off i do think one that's one thing spider-man has had 
uh, in all his adaptions, I do think it's always made by people who like Spider-Man. Yeah. Even like the original cartoon. Yeah. There's some crazy episodes, but also it's like someone got that it's like, oh, but we also want to have subplots with like Peter Parker not getting a date. Even Amazing Friends, which sort of like boiled it down to like such a Saturday morning cartoon version of right. what it was, seemed like they loved Spider-Man. It wasn't That's like, true. I guess maybe it's like people who were talented no, at yeah. doing cartoons, like really invested themselves. I mean, I think it is true in this too. Uh, I, I think it's just a nice thing that's true of Spider-Man that it just seems like Anytime he gets adaption, somebody gets involved and goes, well, I love Spider-Man, so I want to, I want to put something good in here. I yeah, want to make it I want it this work. to be good. Even if I have to add Iceman and Firestar, I want it to be good. I want it to have some of this fun. Yeah. So um, that's our movie and TV show segment, Spectacular mm-hmm. Spider-Man, and I'm really thrilled to be watching it, and I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's also, I bought it, so if you're at my house, I own it on uh, <laughs> I own the digital copies from Apple TV. So Greg Weissman and Victor Fox, if you're listening, we'd love to interview you. I assume yeah. you guys are listening. Yeah, I assume are... we hooked you with our yeah. um, Black Hammer uh, coverage yeah. and um, Love and Rockets. We're not going to talk to you about anything current, just something you finished doing 20 years ago, 20 years ago <laughs> as is our MO. Yep. Uh, okay, so should we move on to Squadron? I mean, this is normally now lately when we've been taking a break. We had, we're a little early. We're at seventeen minutes, so let's take three breaks. Interesting <laughs> approach. Okay, well, let's 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 do the first issue and then take a break. Okay, we'll do the first issue and take a break. So, so where do we leave off with Squadron Supreme, Will Hans? We left off. What happened in issue six? Where were we? What was the uh, current status quo? Do you remember? Uh, this is where we kicked out um, the Golden Archer. And then well, uh, and Lady Lark followed him. Yep. And also uh, Amphibian quit the team and destroyed the brainwashing oh, right. machine. So the bra- okay, yes. So the use of the brainwashing machine, which Tom Thumb invented, which they were using to deprogram prisoners, and then it turned out that like Golden Archer had used in a fellow squadron member, Lady Lark, to make her love him, mm-hmm. uh, is tearing the team apart. And so Amphibian quits. They fire Golden Archer and... Lady Lark goes with him because she's permanently in love with him because of the because of right. the brainwashing. Um, see, that's three members right there. Nighthawk already quit earlier because of a protest. Nuke got killed. Nuke's killed. Um, Doctor Spectrum is like post traumatic stress disorder, unable to really participate. Yep. Um, so we're down a lot of members. Is where we're. But at. they've bolstered the numbers by adding the, <laughs> the Institute of the Evil. Institute of Evil brainwashed have been added to the team now. Tom is, Thumb has cancer and is dying and hasn't told anybody. That's right. That's yeah. also on the table. So, like, that's where we're at. We're, we're Squadron is kind it's of falling apart. There's so much stuff. There's so much stuff. So, Kevin, we're going to go into issue seven, eight, nine. The the big overview here is a, a alternate dimension Hyperion enters into play and eventually has a standoff with our Hyperion. This is the Superman-like character of mm-hmm. the team. And then also there is a Tom Thumb issue where he tries one last gasp to cure his cancer. Um, and so what did you think of these three issues? I already know the answer, but I think our listeners deserve to know. Yeah, I'm back to how I felt about the first three issues. Like, I kind of enjoyed the uh, four, five, and six more than one, two, and three. I was like, oh, it's kind of on the upswing. I'm kind of enjoying it more and more. And these, I didn't really enjoy this alternate Hyperion plot line. Now, do you... And I just, I lost what enthusiasm had been gained. I still appreciate it. I'm still, I'm, I don't like it less than the first three, but it's about the same. It's like, oh, it's a little too complicated. There's a little too much going on. It's not the, the most interesting plot line is still this brainwashing machine. Yeah. And whenever that's not the plot, I'm just sort of like, 
And that's in here a lot. And some of the parts with that I think were interesting. But everything that didn't involve that, I'm like, I guess I don't care. I don't care. I don't care so that do much. You, do you think you're able to say why? Like, was it just the particular stories of um, 4, 5, and 6 got you? Well, I guess that is the brainwashing. I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the brainwashing plot line, I think okay. I found the most interesting. Watching that, how that affected the different members and how it was used. I, uh, I think yeah. I understand. Because my favorite parts of the, these three issues were the people thinking to themselves, like, I wish I could help but I've been brainwashed. Like <laughs> right. those are all really fun moments. I thought like very fun moments. Like if this story was just the squadron should has a brainwashing machine and they're trying to decide how to best to use it. I enjoy this book maybe just as much, if not more, because that's the main enjoyment I'm getting out of it so far. I think I felt the, pretty much the same about these issues as I did four five and six, which is more, I like it more than one, two, three. I'm kind of in a groove now with squadron. Like I feel like I'm kind of getting it. Like I, I know that with Squadron Supreme, I'm going to get moral quandaries and that the heroes are willing to be, to go further than your Marvel superheroes usually are in terms of how dastardly they will be, how corrupt they could become, um, that, that it's possible to have big consequences. Characters can die, characters can become evil, things cannot work. So I know that's like on the table. Um, and I kind of get that that's the fun. Um, so... I, I think I appreciate that way more than I did in the first three issues. I'm still weirdly always reading it, trying to think of how I could like improve it or something like mm-hmm. that. I know that's sometimes a dumb way to relate to art. But yes. That is what I'm doing. And I, I feel I like that happens with stories a lot. You I don't think people look at paintings and go, ah, oh, this, br- I would have done the brush stroke. I know. But, yeah. But I do think that happens with television and movies. You like watch a movie like, ah, I wish it ended this way. Yeah. I wish and this it's, character and did this. And sometimes it is hard. Like I, that bothers me too. And you hear a criticism being like, ah, this would be better if it ended differently or if this yeah, beat it's like, happened well, what differently. What did you think about what happened? Yeah. Yeah. Just like it didn't, that wasn't the story they wanted to tell. So assuming this is the story they wanted to tell, how'd they do it that? But it is hard to sometimes let go of that. I think the artists they have here for these issues are really good and I'm sure they're doing stuff under a deadline and there's a huge amount of information and characters they have to communicate. So they're, they're accomplishing a lot, but I do feel that the beats of, I said it every episode, the beats of the story are really good, I think. And somehow the execution is a little clumsy. That's either dialogue or maybe the composition of the panel. I mean, this is sort of beyond my expertise feels like it could be smoothed out. Again, maybe fewer characters would let that happen automatically. Maybe another three issues would make all the difference or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I'm just that, I'm still kind of in the same spot, I guess. I, I like these issues, though. It also, I mean, without knowing the ending, it also does feel like this should be just an ongoing series. It is, it, he's it, got enough stuff going on where you feel like you could live in this world. Yeah, like this should just be going until the sales drop and then you wrap it up. You know what's interesting is we're not seeing... This is like the opposite of Astro City. Like, we're not seeing the Earth that, like, what's going on with the everyman who's, yeah. like, starving? And, like, there's riots and martial law and, like, governments have fallen in certain places, right? We don't get it. We don't even get a glimpse of that. Like, this is 100% just in the Hall of Justice or whatever it's called. In the Squadron Plaza is what we call it. <laughs> the Nakatomi Squadron Plaza. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, it's, I mean, I don't, uh, not, that's not good or bad. I'm just, I'm kind of struck by that. I'm like, wow, they laid out this kind of, apocalyptic scenario and we're not seeing it like yeah. i'm just kind of just assuming the world's like our world but it's not really it's we, a worse world. we get tiny glimpses we saw it with the cops right this yeah these issues but very little more would be good i agree um i'm just thinking of like the video game last of us which is like zombie uprising and mm-hmm. when the man we're hitting so many mediums we're 
kind of renaissance people. Sure, that's right. We about, talk about about stupid stuff about like kids' cartoons, <laughs> yep. video games, car- comic books from the midnight eighties. That's right. Um, but in Last of Us, the zombie uprising game, when you fr- the first sequence where you were in the present timeline of the zombies have overrun society, and you're in a little like martial law compound. It's just like everywhere you look, there's like checkpoints and people with guns and everyone's got IDs and they're bent over and hushed and there's destruction and rubble and just like mm-hmm. people kind of eating scraps out of tins. Like you can't forget for a moment that you're in this broken world. And I'm like, is that happening here? Because it looks kind of chill, basically. Yeah. A lot of the world seems okay with what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> the um, glimpses we see. All right, let's get in. So issue seven, we open with Nighthawk. Uh, who is the former president of the United States who quit the squadron first mm-hmm. issue and almost killed Hyperion and didn't. The and Batman also, analog. Yeah, the Batman analog. And he is visiting Master Menace. Who's like one of the, like the Doctor Doom, really, to squadron. Yeah. Like just kind of an armored villain yep. guy who talks in the third person a lot. Yep. And uh, he's basically saying, let's team up. Like weirdly, I know we've been enemies our whole careers, but right now we have a common enemy, my old group. And Menace is real suspicious of this. Yeah. And also, Nighthawk is working with Master Menace's old team that had gotten sent to another dimension. And we get, like, a lot of more complicated backstory about, like, how Nighthawk found them. But also, like, other adventures Nighthawk has gone on with, like, Captain American stuff, right? Yeah, there have been actual appearances of Nighthawk, I guess, in other Marvel issues. And so this kind of summarizes that. And that hurts it. Like, I wish yeah. this was just... We don't need that. We didn't need thing. it in the first issue. We don't need it here. I just don't... And we get it again with the fake... Hyperion, just like, oh, it's more complicated that you're tying this into the Squadron Supreme's continuity within Marvel Universe. Right. So, but again, that's what makes this feel like a conventional comic more than mm-hmm. a total experimental thing. But then we, so Nightwing, is that his name? Nighthawk. Nighthawk, Jesus. He doesn't, doesn't have the same name as Dick Grayson. No. Okay, so Nighthawk. He leaves, and then Master Menace, we see his real plan, which is he's using some sort of interdimensional thing to retrieve a duplicate Hyperion. Right, and this is like the, this, yeah, this is what I was just talking about. Like, I guess this evil Hyperion was involved in some other Marvel comics um, and got Maybe trapped. Maybe the first appearance of Squadron when they were all evil or something? Yeah, who knows? He got trapped in some pocket universe. Because he also fought the real Hyperion in those stories, apparently. And lost. But whatever. He got trapped in a pocket universe, which Master Menace now goes into and retrieves him from and says, Hey, uh, I want you to work with me. And this Hyperion is in love with the Marvel comic character Thundra, which again, I think, complicates it. Like, you don't even need that at all. And we already have so many characters in play. Like, he eventually falls in love with Power Princess and has to decide whether or not he is... In love with Thundra, who we don't ever meet in this comic. Yeah, it's not part of this story. It's like, just don't have him be in love with her. Just <laughs> don't connect it to any of that. Well, I, I think... You have to explain it to me and then say, it's no longer true? I'll, I'll push back on this one. I mean, I think your larger point is right. There's a lot of just complicated exposition we don't need. That particular point, it's why he works with Menace, right? Menace is like, I'll get yes. you back with Thundra. Using the same thing I used to get you, I'll get you back with Thundra if you help me. So he's like, okay, I'll do it. Yeah. But also just like, and if he's an evil Hyperion, couldn't you just be like, let's take over the world together? But I think maybe Grunewald wants this to be a little bit different and more yeah. human. And it's kind of like this evil Superman is still truly humbled by his feelings of love. And so that is how this comic is going to be different than every other villain team up. Yeah, I think him falling in love with Power Princess achieves 99% of that. 
Guys, hire Kevin as the editor for your comics company and watch the sales, sales skyrocket. Drop, drop. Hey, you're talking to a guy who got 20 more Instagram followers in the last week, yeah. all right? So I, they did that for us. You did that for us. Hire our followers through our machinations. Yes, yeah, sure, sure. All right, so Evil Hyperion is on the case. We cut to real Hyperion is doing some kind of mission with the squadron, and then we, there's a meteor. He uh, they're trying to brainwash people. And uh, the, the, that the one prison that doesn't like it. The, there's one warden who resists, and they respect that warden's wishes, but they're trying to talk him into it. Yeah. But then, uh, yeah, Meteor starts hurtling towards Earth, and Hyperion's like, no better, problem. Better check it out. But it turns out that's the trap. That's really menace in a ship with some kind of glamour or hologram or yeah. something. And somehow he switches the Hyperions. He takes our Hyperion, throws yep. him in the pocket universe. Yep. And evil Hyperion takes his place. And he looks identical, so he just pretends to be our Hyperion with amnesia. Yeah, and he's having amnesia so that he can get away with like not knowing certain what's things. Going with, on. Yeah, what's what anyone's talking about and stuff. Like he can any of his memory gaps are sort of engulfed in amnesia. And superheroes probably accept amnesia like any soap opera plot. In superhero comics, you're ready to accept amnesia or hypnosis yeah. or you know. Space twin, like uh, I just read to my my son a three issue arc in Amazing Spider Man where he has amnesia and Doc Ock convinces him he's a villain, <laughs> and Doc Ock is mean to him and berates <laughs> him and everyone wants him to unmask and he's like I don't think I should. He's like also I hate you. My spider sense is going off all the time, <laughs> but I believe you because why wouldn't I? Right. And it's a uh, uh, very it's, it's very dumb, but also and it gets cured by like being dunked in water later. I think. <laughs> um. I like when hypnosis that has worked for like many issues in a comic. Mm-hmm. Like somebody snaps their fingers and it like yeah. goes away or something. Uh, Kazar or Kazar dunks Spider Man in water while they're fighting, and when he comes out, he's like, ah, "I remember who I am now." <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. what was the storyline about? <laughs> Thank God it didn't rain earlier. Yeah. And, oh, and Aunt May is literally collapsed because she was so worried about Peter Parker <laughs> in that storyline. And the doctor keeps going, "The only thing that can help her is knowing where Peter Parker is." It is like. As I know that as a plot line, it's had a lot. It's had a lot during the Ditko issues, but at least there, there's like an illness attached to it. Yeah, Like, yeah. don't also stress her out, is right, something right. they say. It isn't... This is just purely yeah. worrying about her nephew's going to kill like, her. It's like, oh, you missed curfew? You killed your aunt, <laughs> is what happens here. And it's like, I don't think With so. With great power comes great responsibility, and also completely unfair responsibilities. <laughs> yeah, it's... Anyway. What's my point? My point is amnesia is cool. So he it works, right? He gets brought back to Squadron, and they're all glad that he's not seriously hurt, and they're going to usher him back. And, and uh, Power Princess, there's a lot of thirsty drawings of Power Princess in this issue. We got a, we got some butt shots. We got a. Uh, it's another way. This is a conventional comic. Is the yeah, but it, it's not like broken back. I guess that one's pretty bad. Uh, but there's not too much of it. It's, it's not, not too much. Of it's it. not image comics. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, it's not uh, like that. But for the eighties, it's th- it's eighties yeah, yeah. thirst. Yeah. So Power Princess checks up on him, and there's an immediate attraction. Hyperion um, starts falling in love with her, and then sees that she her boyfriend is eighty years old, mm-hmm. or however old he is. Yep. And he's like, I can't believe she's dating this guy. And then um, later we see that that husband is dying, and they bring him to the hospital, and he's has a, he's had a heart attack, and he dies. And that's not so crazy, right? Because he's, yeah. he's old. It's interesting timing, but... Um, you can imagine it happening. And then evil Hyperion disguises good Hyperion as consoling Power Princess, and his thought balloons reveal he killed him. Yeah, he sucked all the air out of his lungs. <laughs> I mean, th- this is turning into the boys. This is like Amazon yeah, yeah. Prime's The yeah, Boys. Yeah, a little bit. 
then then he's in love with Power Princess. He no longer wants to meet Thunder, who we've never met in this comic. And yes. he goes back to Mass Menace, calls off the deal, and tries to kill Mass Menace, I think. Yeah, but or Mass at least Ma- attack him. But he, yeah, he tries to kill him, and Mass Menace jumps uh, into the pocket because he doesn't want Mass Menace to to out him as a bad guy. Right. So that's actually pretty smart. And so, I mean, it's evil and it's immoral, but it makes a lot of sense logistically. So, uh, Mass Menace is now <coughs> in the pocket dimension, and we end the issue with Hyperion and Power, evil Hyperion and Power Princess making out, baby, yeah, one making week, out on the beach. One week after the funeral is what it says. Oof. I mean. You know, she's dated this guy for a long... He's been an old yeah, man yeah. for quite a while. I mean, Hyperion's pretty hunky. Oh, very hunky. Yeah. Evil Hyperion's just as hunky. Yeah, I would say equally hunky. No more. It's not one of those cases where he's he's got more mojo because he's evil. Well, there's a little bit, right? Because he shows more emotion. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he's more hunky. Evil's hot. <laughs> All right. Now let's take now a break. Now let's take a break. We'll come right back in one millisecond. <laughs> That seemed like longer to you than one millisecond. That's on you. That something happened in your reality. Because yeah. that was one millisecond. Yeah. Um, issue eight, Kevin. Yeah. Hyperion versus Hyperion to the death. So uh, we we start with some table setting. We see the wizard rounding up villains. Villains are now trying to avoid the brainwashing, but yes. there's kind of no way around it because they get captured and they sort of have to. And uh, at some point in earlier issues, they talked about mass-producing these force field belts so that everyone could wear them and be safe. And so criminals are just also buying them to use okay, for, yeah. for fighting crime. And we see these cops like using the Mercy, like, I don't know what they're called, gumdrop guns that shoot something that like neutralize but don't hurt people. Okay, yeah. Yeah, which, honestly, I'm in favor of those existing. Yes, they don't seem so bad. Um, and uh, But anyway, these criminals they're using— They're called pacifier pistols. Yeah, but they, the book, the ammo is called gumdrops. It's mentioned a few times. Okay. Anyway, uh, these random criminals get caught, and they're like, you can't take the money away from us because of these force fields. And they're like, well, at some point you'll run out of battery or st- want to eat food. Yeah. And, you know, you're in jail. Um, so Wizard's very, like, 60s DC, right? He's like your upstanding family man, you know, crew cut, haircut, looks like ex-military. Yeah. You know, like, good American, like... Real- Hal Jordan, sort of just like upstanding mm-hmm, guy, mm-hmm. Uh, or Barry Allen, for that matter. Sure, yeah. So now, then we then we go to Squadron Plaza, and the institute is working out. We kind of see, we kind of just see everybody like working on stuff. There's this a- is where they're making the gumdrops. Yeah, and there's a little thing where one of the Institute of Evil Quagmire like is kind of saucy to one of the non-Squadron female volunteers. Hey, sweet thing, how's it going? So Blue Eagle. Mad that Lady Lark was stolen from him by a brainwashing machine, takes him out, Quagmire, and like lectures him and kind of yells at him and actually and punches, punches him, him. Yeah. And then flies away in anger. And Quagmire's like, I can't punch you back. And you know that. Yeah. Why don't you kick me while I'm down here? And Blue Eagle feels bad. He's like, I don't know why I let that punk get my goat so bad. And like that part's kind of interesting to me. That's like, you guys are taking advantage of the fact that I can't even stand up to you. Yeah. You're being a jerk to me. You're being a bully. Yeah. Superman said no bullies. He said that to me. Oh, interesting. Um, he told me more bullies. <laughs> well, he was playing a game. <laughs> um, I didn't agree with him. And he said, well, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> he stood up to Superman. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. So Blue Eagle goes away. Then he kind of comes back feeling bad. It turns out that there was 
something oh yeah there was like a gas leak explosion and quagmire tried to save like everybody and is now on death's door and blue eagle was not there to help yeah also the uh the the magic user the zatanna character arcana uh is hiding her pregnancy using magic so she doesn't look pregnant because she still everyone, wants to go on adventures. Everyone knows she's pregnant, but she's pretending she's not quite as pregnant so that she can still go, yeah. be an active member of the it team. It looks like she's the kind of pregnant you're not showing yet, but then she removes the glamour and she is super pregnant. Yeah. She's out there flying around. Um, okay, then we see Hyperion and Power Princess are hot and heavy. Uh, well, before that, we see this... What's his name? Dr. Decibel? Uh, the guy with, like, fox ears. Lamprey? Yeah, he can. He senses that this is not the real Hyperion. Oh yeah, because he's like an energy sucker. He's like this energy feels different, but I'm not positive, so I can't say anything because that could be against the Squadron Supreme. But I'm if not it's the real Hyperion, anything. I can't say anything against him. So if it's not the real Hyperion, I could say something, and I don't yet know that. But he suspects it, and he if he could, he would say he would tell people, "Hey, I'm suspicious of this guy." But he can't. But he even can't say do it. that because of this, uh, and that stuff I think is interesting. We also have the doctor who's like. I should warn people that she's endangering her child, but I can't because I've also been brainwashed. Yeah, that, so you're into that stuff. That's the part I like. And you're in favor of it. I'm a pro brainwashing. That's true. <laughs> so Hyperion. Uh, you're and, more into this makeout sash between Hyperion and Power um, I'm just in it for the thirsty. For the thirsty. You made, you've made that to your iPad uh, lock screen. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> Hyperion and Power Princess making out yeah, yeah. is my lock screen. I couldn't wait. Yeah. I couldn't wait to make. That was the first time I've seen two superheroes kiss. I've never seen it. Before that, I had Christopher Reeve and Marco Kidder doing a little peck on the cheek yeah, from Superman right. 1. But I was like, whoa, look yeah. at this. I heard you. You got real excited about it. What's these image comics you're talking about? I don't know anything I, after 1987. I can't tell you. Okay. So... They're this going, is a guy who reads Love and Rockets. <laughs> I know. There's like more sex in the first panel of a Love and Rockets yeah. story. Uh, uh, often. Not always. Sorry, Los Bros. <laughs> so we see the good Hyperion trapped in a... Delete po- this app. Oh, no. <laughs> we lo- I just got a text from Jaime Hernandez. He's like, not cool, bro. Yeah. I'm never listening to you again. Man, it'd be cool if the Hernandez brothers listened to us. Yeah. Um, They'd be like, just two episodes? <laughs> we did comics for 50 years. We get two episodes? <laughs> Um, so good Hyperion is spying on evil Hyperion from the pocket dimension. He, I'm going to kind of go a little faster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's frustrated. He, then he runs into Mask Menace in the power in the pocket dimension. They team up. Mask Menace understands the physics of this better, and they work together. And they escape the pocket dimension back into ours. And good Hyperion flies to Squadron Plaza to confront evil Hyperion, and they get into a fight. And he kills him. And he kills him with his atomic vision, which also makes him go blind. But now. Our guy's dead. And his last words are basically telling Power Princess, I really loved you, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I loved you. I murdered your husband. I murdered your husband. and That, that is true. I did murder your husband. Yeah, he, he but can, I love you, so that's... Good so Hyperion's you, like, he killed your husband, and he's it's true, it's true, but it's just because I really loved you, and then he, like, melts. Yeah, which I think is a great reason to kill somebody. <laughs> You're into that, right? Yeah, yeah. If you're going to kill somebody, do it because you love somebody else. So the reason you don't like these issues <laughs> is the wrong people are winning? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the right people are winning if you look at it this way. So at the end of it, Power Princess is heartbroken and finds out that her lover killed her husband and is now also dead. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. And now we're into the last issue of today's episode, issue nine. Number nine? Uh, which is, it shows Tom Thumb holding the cure, which I assumed was a cancer cure because that's the cure he wasn't able to cure a week for a week. For Nuke, yeah. He tried for a week, couldn't cure it, gave up. And that was a betrayal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, the cover is him holding up a beaker. We assume it's the cure. Behind him is 
only I'd say there's ten, so that's about half of the other characters in the book <laughs> yeah. behind him. Now we open on Doctor Decibel trying to cure Good Hyperion's sight. It's not working. We see Power Princess's thoughts, and she's so torn because she felt love again, and now she wants to feel love for this Hyperion. She knows it's not possible. Foxfire, who is like the Grace Jones member <laughs> yes. of the. Uh, Institute of Evil is kind of looking up info on files and like kind of mad that there's not more about her. She just straight up sexually propositions Dr. Spectrum in a, in a hilariously square and uh, f- forthcoming panel. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like that because she's like, I can't be evil. I might as well get with it. Yeah. Have sex with you. And yeah, like and Dr. Spectrum is like, he's sort of the playboy of the group, right? That's true. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Before he got so, like traumatized it does make sense that he would be the one to be open to this yeah yeah so he says hey you want to play poker it's sunday and it's kind of boring around here otherwise and she's like well joey if you're really bored i can think of another recreational activity i'm really in the mood for wink and And he's like oh yeah it's like somehow both like 50s i thought she was talking about um backgammon oh no kevin oh She's talking about making out. Oh, man. And nothing more. Oh, and if you see that, another lock screen. (laughs) (laughs) How do I get two images in my lock screen? Dear Apple. (laughs) I got to get these two make out images. (laughs) Like, don't tell us what the images are. Just. (laughs) Is this a genius bar? Here's my appointment. I need these two images. Don't we want to see these images? Um, I'm real real horny for superhero kisses. (laughs) Look at my face when I look at these images. Uh, Uh, Blue Eagle visits Quagmire. He's all guilty. Because he blames himself for Quagmire's injury. And then we got Wizard. He's not guilty that Quagmire was brainwashed into saving those people. No. He's he's guilty that he could have also helped save those people. And that he clocked him right before. Yeah, yeah. We see Wizard and Lamprey playing speed tennis because Lamprey can suck some of the super speed away from Wizard using his leech power. And they play each other in tennis. Um, We see Shape playing with all the kids. And that's kind of sweet. Yeah, shape like kids is what shape says. Shape seems to be the one who's adjusted the best to being a good guy. I guess if you have the least brain, getting yeah. brainwashed affects you the, the, the not the least the we, least amount. We see Ape X is in love with Tom Thumb. Is it Madam Ape? Here they call her Ape X, don't they? I think her name is X, but her like superhero call sign is Madam Ape, and her like civilian identity is Ape X. <laughs> Okay, okay, of course. I think. No, I mean, probably right. She's in love with Tom Thumb. They're the two, like, inventors of the group. Yeah. And I think it's kind of, I'm into this. That might be my last screen. Like, Madam Ape in love with Tom Thumb, I'm, like, very into. I think that's very cool. I like that, too. I mean, it it doesn't work out, but. uh, But he's dying of cancer. Like, he's in the late stages of it. His computer that he's in love with tells Ape X. Yeah. um, That Tom Thumb's dying of cancer. Maybe you can help. Save it because you're also a technical genius, right? Uh, then we cut away to Night Hawk, Hawk, and he is still doing. Oh, we see some. Rec- they're, they're recruiting other members for their little rebel group. That's right. Um, so now Madam Ape uh, and Tom uh, Thumb. Tom Thumb. She's like, "Hey, let's really try. Let's put both of our minds on this." And they go to the future again to try to get that cure. Uh, here's another interesting thing. Like, Madame Ape can't help because she can't steal something. Oh, right. So they lie to Foxfire? No, Lamprey. Lamprey. So they lie to Lamprey because if they lie to him... Then he, he doesn't know. Then he'll think he's doing something good, so he'll be able to do it. Yeah, he's like, they stole it from us. We're going to steal it back. Right. Which is, again, just like this This brainwashing yeah. is so complicated. It's very Philip K. Dick in a fun way. Yeah. I agree. Uh, so Lamprey and Tom Thumb go to the future. They steal the the cure. Yeah, and it's like a little bit of a complicated thing about how that all happens. But it turns out that 
I'm just going to cut to the chase. Yeah, yeah. Turns out the cure, the panacea, is just penicillin and some like multivitamins because they, they've already sort of bumped up their immune system so much that that's all you need to cure diseases. Yeah, just like now. through natural evolution, we become immune to most diseases. So yeah. their cure doesn't need to cure that much. Yeah, it's just like ibuprofen or something. I guess. Also, uh, Power Princess makes that with good Hyperion. Which we don't know if he's into. We don't know. She's into it. Yep. I need to know they're both into it to make my lock screen. Yep. Nighthawk. Recruit some big guy with an R on his jersey. We I, don't... They, yeah, they, they keep him, like, his face hidden constantly as if his identity is important to the story. I can't imagine it is. Yeah. it's He's called Redstone. Yeah. At first I thought it was, like, the Hulk. I was like, why else are they being cagey about who this is? I don't know. But it's just some dude. I don't know. Um... So then Tom Thumb comes back from the future with Lamprey. <laughs> this is the craziest thing. So on the last page is when he finds out that the that the cure from the future is basically just penicillin. I'm going to read the last three panels. Yeah, yeah. So he's looking down at his feet, all that racing around, all that compromising of my principles, and all I got for it is zip. Looks like it's all over for me now. I got to die soon, Madam Ape says. Tom, where, where, where are you going? Lamprey's thinking, what's he talking about? Because oh, they yeah. lied to him constantly. <laughs> and then Tom Thumb goes, I'm going back to the 40th century to return what I've stolen. And then in an all-text panel, yeah, yeah, yeah. one week later, while working in his laboratory on another project to better the human condition, Thomas Thompson, also known as Tom Thumb, passed away. <laughs> Off panel. This is the equivalent of the Simpsons episode <laughs> where Homer becomes the voice of Poochie. Uh, and it's such an unpopular character uh, that they want to stop using him. But Homer convinces him to do one more episode that he writes with his impassioned speech about Poochie being like, hey, don't hate me. Just get to know me first. But the episode gets edited in such a way that the the, the Poochie cell is dragged up by hand. Like you just see like a static image just dragged off screen. And then a voiceover going, uh, Poochie went back to his home planet and died. <laughs> or something like that. And it's just like so, but it's obviously... For comedic purposes, here it seems to be done seriously. Yeah. Like, this is a dramatic, sad moment, <laughs> but it made me laugh. I know. I laughed at that panel, too. And I do really like Tom Thumb. And I, and it, I... It, it seems like something had been censored out. Okay. I don't think that is the case, because it's only one panel, so I can't imagine what it is. But, like, they changed their mind about how this issue should have ended. Like, maybe he jerked off into a, his <laughs> mouth or something. Like, hey, we can't do that. Let's just say he died. Like, I can't imagine... Why you'd have an all-text thing here. Not even just like an image of him dying. What would make Marvel Comics of 1985 censor a panel? Did he say, I like gay people, like, for no reason? And then, like, they were like, we can't talk about it. We're okay with the ape-on man. <laughs> I really wish you and I could have had ape-on man sex. And then he, then he passes away with that sentence. Yeah, so an all-text panel just being... And also, like, Thomas Thumb, also known as Tom Thumb. It's, it's like, like, we know who it is. Just say Tom s- Thumb. Like, whoa, what is, what is this? Also, why working on a project to better the human condition, I guess like they're hammering home that, I mean... He worked until he died. He's also just very moral, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he refused to betray Hyperion. Yes. Um, and so, I don't know. There, there's Which, I guess, good. He would have just gotten it, penicillin. I mean, he made I, We're making fun of it, and it is ridiculous. But it is I, bad. I do like Tom Thumb. Like, oh, I, I like Tom Thumb. That is a bad end of an issue. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad end of a storyline. It's a bad last panel. It is ridiculous. <laughs> Even in the 80s, that must have seemed weird. Maybe it hit harder. I don't know. Like I, a character uh, dying of cancer, maybe. But we were reading comics dumb. at this time. I think if I got one, I'd be like, what? <laughs> is yeah. that really it? It seems like an ambush bug thing. Yeah. Cheeks would never again talk to ambush bug. And you know, later yeah. became head of DC. 
and approve this panel or something yeah. like that. Well, that's our squadron uh, issues. Hey, uh, if you got opinions on Squadron Supreme, email us screw it at Gmail. Screw it comics. Oh yeah. Oh boy. What have I been saying the past <laughs> couple episodes? Screw it comics listen. at Gmail. And then um Instagram is screw it comics, Twitter is screw it comics. And um Let us know what you thought of that final panel when you read it as a kid. Did it hit? <laughs> I'm really maybe it did. I can't believe it would. We've gotten emails from people who really love Squadron. Talk about that bit. <laughs> yeah, you? I'm very curious about your reaction to that bit. <laughs> Sell me on that panel. Um, or, or anything else you're thinking about the series, truly. Uh, and we'll be back next week with the final three issues, the big finale. Maybe, who knows? I don't know what we'll think. I mean, I can't imagine we're going to love it after like nine issues of like being like, oh, this is pretty good. Three issues is a lot. But three issues is a lot. it could be a great ending despite that. Endings can do a lot to change mm-hmm. your impression of a story. Like, a, um, you know... Um, What's like a great, what's like the best ending of a comic series that or, you know, a, or like arc like a, or anything that had like a bad story. I can't think of things. Not that, even a bad story, but just yeah. like, a, you know, sometimes the ending can elevate something. I'll say the bad news bears, <laughs> the baseball movie from 1975. But that movie is great regardless of but the, the ending. ending was also so good. Like they lose, they throw the trophy at the Yankees. They all start fighting. They all start jumping at each other yeah. like animals. And the camera pulls back and just shows the American flag waving over the baseball field. And it cuts to black. And I was like, what a great ending. Yeah. It's That's, a great ending, but it isn't like, ah, it was a pretty good movie. Ah, oh, that ending made me love it. How about the end of, okay, I'll give you another one. City lights, Charlie Chaplin. Okay. Silent. His la- the last silent movie. I think he did. Mm-hmm. There were already talkies, but Chaplin stubbornly just released another silent picture because he's like, I can do it. And mm-hmm. he didn't. It was a big hit. And this is where he falls in love with a blind flower girl mm-hmm. and and gives up all of his money. He, he, wins a, he wins a bunch of money and wealth and spends it all to get her a procedure so that she can see. Um, this is very like Alicia in the 60s Fantastic Four. Sure, yeah. And it works, but he's destitute and, like, separated from her. And then he just happens to run into her, and he's completely, like, on the skids and even a worse tramp. And she sees him, and she walks over and recognizes him and says, oh, my gosh. Oh, she hears his voice. She's like, you're you're that man who helped me. And she, oh, he lied that he was a rich man this whole time. So she's now seeing for the first time that he's this poor. Mm -hmm. And, And she's stunned. And she's like, you're the one who helped me? He's like, yes. He goes, you can see now? She goes, yes, and they smile at each other. And it's just such a beautiful, perfect little smile, and it ends. And I'm like, woof. Sure. What a great ending. And you thought the movie was bad or mediocre. 100% great the whole time. (laughs) Not a good example. There's lots of movies with great endings. Like The Graduate is another one, just like what you're describing. But that's a great movie throughout. Right? Uh, Breaking Bad ends well, but it's also a great show. I do have one that's a good movie, and I think the ending makes it great. Okay. Paths of Glory, Stanley Kubrick. Been listening to the Blank Check podcast. I watched it. It's mostly a movie about how this French general out of pride orders a a regiment to do an impossible suicide Mm -hmm. mission. And there's resistance all down the line. They're like, we'll all die, we'll all die. And he makes them do it. And so it happens. And a couple of men basically hide and refuse to get over out of the trench. It's in World War I uh, to do it. And they are tried for like treason and hung or shot. Good. (laughs) Okay, good. You'd love this movie. (laughs) And then it's just kind of like, oh, what hypocrisy is war? Look at this, you know, prideful decision caused all this unnecessary death. And Kirk Douglas is like the voice of morality and stuff. Good movie. Then at the end of it, it's all settled. The guys are shot. Kirk Douglas is just disgusted. He's walking through town. All the soldiers are in a bar and they've got this German woman and they're she's on stage and they're harassing her and yelling at her. It looks scary. Like they're going to like 
attack her mm-hmm. or just like ridicule her. And then, and she can barely speak any French. And they're like, what do you, what, do something for us, sweetie. Do something. We haven't seen a woman in whatever. And she's like, I can sing. And they're like, I'd right, sing. And she sings this song and it's so beautiful. They're all just moved to tears. And Kirk Douglas like just looks in and shakes his head and that ends. And I was like, wow. It like was this weird out of nowhere magic humanity moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Here's, so email us if you've, I'd love to hear about examples of something you think where the end elevated a story that wasn't great to a great, like took something that wasn't great, but must have been good yeah. and made it great by having a great ending. I'm sure they exist. I can't think of any. I can think of great endings. Like, I don't know why this one jumps to my head, but like Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. I remember watching that whole movie and enjoying it. Quentin Tarantino, it's crazy. Yeah. But I was like, how do you, how do you end this movie? The whole plot is them trying to kill Hitler. They can't do that because I know Hitler doesn't die. Yes. Uh, uh, this way, yeah. So how how does this movie wrap up and it make it satisfying? Yeah, it's gonna be so unsatisfying when he like gets away. Yeah, and then they kill him, and I was, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, I guess just ignoring facts wasn't on my radar as a thing you could do. And I, and I remember loving that moment. I was just like, what? How is this the ending? Of this? That was so fun very when I saw that the first time. Very exciting when I remember watching that. I was like, yes, 100% this is how this movie I didn't know that was going to happen either. That completely surprised me. I've seen that in the theaters back when I went to theaters for movies. And I just, I was liking the movie. And I was like, oh, but I couldn't get out of my head that I was like, it's going to be a dissatisfying ending, isn't it? How is he going to pull this off? And I was like, oh, great. And it was very satisfying. And it worked 100%. I got one more. Okay. And we're we're only at fifty three minutes. I'm not. I'm Let's not do ten more. Okay, ten more. Office season two, when Jim tells Pam he loves her, mm-hmm. and he's like he's like taking a job at another place. And the yeah. whole episode, people are like you told Pam yet? You told Pam yet? And what they mean is, have you told her you're leaving? Yeah, because everyone knows they're kind of into each other, but haven't admitted it. Yeah. And he finally walks up and goes, "I got something to tell you. I love you." And like it, you don't see it coming because you've been baited to mm-hmm. think that he's going to say, "I'm moving." And I was like, "That's a good ending to an episode." I loved the ending to season two of the British Office. Let's see. Oh, let's say that one. Um, before the Christmas special existed, I thought this was the end of the whole thing, and it was at first. And I kind of, kind of wish it still was. It was, it was the Tim character, the Jim, yeah, uh, the pre-Jim character, Tim, who decided played to, by Martin Freeman, played by Martin Freeman, also known as uh, Bilbo Baggins, <laughs> uh, most famous. For the Hobbit movies. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm going to go tell Dawn that I love her. And he takes off his microphone because it's a documentary. And he's been filmed the whole time and he wants it to be private. And he We've goes, never seen anybody do that before. Yeah, and he goes into the room and you can see him talking. And she kind of gives him a hug. And he comes out. And clearly... Sad. He's, it, it, <laughs> you just know it didn't work. And, and he, she looks, and he puts sits the mic back on. He sits down and he just starts, tries to start working again. And he picks up the mic and just goes, she said no. Yeah. And it is so sad. So sad, but also it felt so real. It's like Yeah. She's getting married to somebody, you're gonna go say you love them. It's like that doesn't work. Yeah. Like this is how that ends. Yeah. In I remember real that. life. I remember that. It it was... But I remember watching the whole scene like with my face covered, like I was watching it, the scariest movie I ever saw. I remember it. I had the same reaction. And when that happened, I was like, Oh I know. It was incredible. It was, it was incredible. So great. Okay, we've ruined several things for you all. <laughs> so yeah. um I mean that was a great ending. I mean, I loved that show up to that point, but I was like, this is the perfect ending to do this. Well, so much of the show, show was like farcical and silly 
that to have this kind of yeah, the but cringe, the, came, the cringe came from people being unrealistic normally, and here the cringe came from reality rearing its head. But that show had lots of cringe moments where I would just be like, "Oh no!" Yeah, and right. that happened. Like there was also the moment where Tim talks about like, "I'm quitting this job. I don't need this job. I, this is a dead end job." And then they offer him more money, and he's got to like go back in the mic and go, "Well, I'm going to stay a little longer." Yeah, I think there's yeah. a lot of, and it's like, "Oh, you just compromised everything for money, yeah. not for Dawn in that case." Right, right. And that was also like, there's a moments like that throughout that show. That show was always making me cringe. So to have such a cringe ending, I was like, "Oh, perfect for this show." It would have been terrible in the American Office. I would have hated it. Yeah, but I loved it in that one. Um, yeah, endings are great. I, guess I mean, saying. a good ending can really can really ratchet up what you're thinking of something. So that might be in store for us. Or it might be yeah. the last panel and the squadron went on. But, to- I, but I guess my point is, I think I'm enjoying this to the point where it's like, even the best ending, I'd be like, oh, that was a good ending. But I wouldn't go, this was a great series, unfortunately. I can understand that. But a great, but a great ending can still make you think of, think of it a lot more. Mm-hmm. It, can really, can make, it can really rattle around in your head a lot. I mean, Kid Who Collects Spider-Man... Up until the last page is a serviceable story. That is a good example, right? And then that is like a, that's a good story. It's a good escalates. story, but certainly not a great story. And then you're like, this is one of the greatest stories I've ever read. If it just ended with him like leaving and being like, yeah, met my best fan. You'd be like, oh, that's cute. It was well done. I enjoyed Every that. Every time I read it, he takes his mask off. I'm almost crying now thinking yeah. about it. Like, I mean, that last like page and a half of that book is the most. Page and a half, yeah. It's so, and it's to me, out of nowhere. I won't tell anyone. And you, you start sensing something there. Oh, it's so good. And you're like, oh, what's happening here? Why is he doing this? Oh. It's like he pulls it off and you're like, this is I, I, thank incredible. You for, thanks for sharing with me. Thanks. And it's like, oh, and like now that I know oh. what's happening, it's like, I'm just like, oh, no. Oh, no. What Why a, does this kid have to die? What a magic story. Um, I mean, I mean, such a sad ending, but yes, like that is magic storytelling. Like, it is like an eight page story, but. I mean, but what a punch. Mm-hmm. I mean, like to pull what a what yeah. a magic trick to pull off that much emotion. I love that Roger Stern talks about that story. He he to this day I think he still says, I gotta imagine I read some this story somewhere else and stole it. He it, thinks he like read a similar story. It feels Superman like it story. could be like it feels like it could be like a John Steinbeck story or just some kind of short story that you would have Yeah. He had said like he thought it was like I thought it was like maybe a Superman story I'd read and just sort of like Took, yeah. Took, but I, I, I can't find the example. No one's ever come out and said, he's like, so I guess I didn't. Paul McCartney says the same thing about yesterday, that he thinks it was a Superman story. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But he was, for weeks, he was like, I'm sure I stole this from somewhere. And he like kept asking everybody, has anybody heard this? Has anybody heard this? And they were like, Did nope. his due diligence. Yeah. He waited like a couple weeks before he started working on it. He's like, I'm sure that I'm going to remember where this melody is from. That is so cool. The idea of like just coming up with something great and being like, oh, this is too good. I must have gotten this. And it just came to him. He just woke up with it. Yeah. Um, and th- people have found like folk songs that have like similar melodies to yesterday. But I think it's, that's just the case of like you can always find a song that has yeah. a similarity. But it certainly wasn't like no. You nobody nobody found some old like German folk song which is like yesterday. So my troubles seem so far. Be, oh yeah. fuck! No one tell Paul McCartney. Yeah, wait till be, he dies. Wait till he dies. It's gonna be heartbroken. <laughs> um, all right. If anybody tell him on his deathbed. By the way, I'm the guy with the yesterday. Here, you son of a bitch. You got what's coming to you. And then a little black panel. Paul McCartney died sad. <laughs> While working on more songs to help humanity, Paul McCartney died. Um, all right, if anybody can think of a great ending that makes that makes bumps something good, the story up a level. Something goes from good to great is what I want to hear. Yeah, or how about from bad to great? That'd be really amazing. I mean, I can't imagine it. Well, if you got one, uh, screwitcomics at Gmail. Also, screwitcomics on Instagram. Hashtag screwitinstapush. 
and then um, uh, Twitter, Screw It Comics. And we'll see you next episode for the finale of our Squadron Supreme coverage. That's right. What did we talk about comics in this episode? Like 20% of the episode we talked about comics? Did we talk about comics? (laughs) Oops. Screw it, screw it, we're just going to talk about comics.